Welcome to the QA. It is the January 2023 edition, and this is the show from Guns and Tactics where we answer your questions. And I do have to say, uh, it was a little hectic starting out on the live stream, so I'm actually recording this segment after the fact because microphones weren't working, it was picking up the camera mic, the settings were off. Uh, I'm not going to lie, if you guys watch the live stream on YouTube, uh, the the first part was kind of a train wreck, so I apologize for that. Uh, this is a new little mini location. If you are watching it on YouTube or end up on YouTube, you can see that the set or the background is a little different. I'm actually down in my office which is kind of my editing bay. And I haven't really shown this on video much before, but I'll probably do some videos here. I kind of wanted to make it an alternate shooting location, but I think I got a little bit of work to do as far as uh, working out some of the AV stuff. But anyways, we're back. My name is Dave from Guns and Tactics. Like I said, this is the January 2023 edition of the QA. And if you want to see your question on the show, the best way is to email us. That email address is theqa at gunsandtactics.com. Otherwise, if you do want to tune in live, it is the last Monday of the month, 2 p.m. Central. Right now on YouTube, we're hoping to add that to more platforms or streaming services in the future. But now, without further ado, let's get in to the portion of the show where I finally got the audio and everything working right. So hopefully you guys are in the car. Uh, you can spend some time. This podcast is going to be probably... Uh, just a little under an hour and a half for you. So I do appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And now on with the show. It's always something with live streaming here, dudes. I'm telling you, live streaming, uh, the guys that do it really, really good, I have so much credit for because I don't know how they they dial everything in uh, as far as like settings, as far as, uh, you know, just getting everything finally set. So, you know, whatever. So yeah, new mic's good, good deal. All right, so here's where we're at, dudes. Um, a couple of people have noticed that we are in a different place. This is my office. This is like my editing bay. Uh, this is actually not in the shop. And the reason why we're not in the shop, the studio, is that it is negative 10 degrees in Minnesota right now. And the shop is not the best insulated. So in order for me to kind of keep it uh, well heated out there, I would have had to crank the heater up and like got it up to 100 degrees in order to have it... Um, you know, basically turned off during the show because when the furnace is running during the show, uh, it makes a huge noise. The mic picks it up and, you know, it's it's a pain. So uh, just due to the cold, we're here this month. I'm going to try to go back to the, the shop. And true story, I'm actually going to be doing a little remodel out there. I'm going to kind of rearrange some things. So it'll still have that familiar look. But um, once we hit our 100K and I do my shop tour video, it'll kind of be rearranged a little bit versus uh, what you guys have seen in the past, just because I want to make it a little bit more user-friendly for like day-to-day -day stuff as well. So anyways, that is, you know, what we're talking about uh, real quick. I'm glad to hear that audio and visual stuff is working good. Uh, but like I said, uh, you might see this screen set up for like maybe some quick how-tos or like legal updates stuff like that where I don't necessarily have to be right up in the, the shop uh, because obviously uh, it's, it's more production. I have to pull cards. I have to do this. I have to do whatever, uh, you know, bring my computer up there, that kind of stuff. So it, uh, you know, it, this is what I can do. So if you guys are, are liking this for some live stream stuff, I might do, might do a little bit more from the office here and I might not, you never know. Uh, just doing a quick setup on comments. Uh, looks like, uh, Taylor was asking if I had to restart it. Yeah, that's pretty much, oh, is that the Taylor? An old boss used to tell you. I think I know which boss you're talking about, Taylor. 
And unfortunately, I actually did have to basically unplug it and plug it back in again to get the uh, streaming service to recognize it as a microphone. So, you know, you're not you're not too far off. Uh, and then uh, Tang and Arms checking in. Live streaming is a task, but one thing for sure, a hot dog is not a sandwich. Oh, my gosh. If we're back to this debate again, help us all. Because uh, I think we clarified that it had something to do with, like, the meat in the bun um, and all of that kind of stuff. So, But now I've got comments going up here as well. So, looking good. I'm glad to, to see all of you guys are, are here. Just making sure I'm uh, checked up on rest of the audio comments. There we go. So, audio and everything should be much better with this microphone. So, um, we've gotten a few emails. And as always, uh, my name is Dave. I will be your host. I do appreciate you guys checking in. We do this live at the end of every month, or at least we try to do it live. 2 p.m. Central, last Monday of the month, it is the QA where we answer your questions. And the best way to get your email, or excuse me, to get your question on the show is to email me at that address shown there, the QA at gunsandtactics.com. You can send me an email. It shows up uh, in our inbox. We filter it, try to do the best we can. If it's a quick thing, I'll try to answer those questions. And if not, uh, makes it to the show where we can talk about it a little bit more. But again, you can email me your questions. Do you got to give a quick shout out to, again, this month's sponsor, Midwest Industries. Midwest Industries does a lot of cool stuff in the industry. They make all sorts of parts for your variety of firearms out there. And we're going to be giving away a prize from Midwest Industries. Thank you to them for sponsoring this episode of the QA. And, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen our shorts, but basically all of our SHOT Show coverage, we've been doing short, real, or Instagram, TikTok-type videos that we've been publishing to uh, Facebook. Now I'm starting to get caught up on YouTube, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. So with that, uh, we'll talk about SHOT Show coverage here in just a little bit. But uh, we got suspended like a bunch of other channels right at the week of SHOT Show for basically new term violations uh, from YouTube. So we were unable to publish our stuff uh, from YouTube as we were kind of hoping. We did publish some to our other platforms. And I got to say, like, ironically, I didn't expect it, but Facebook reach lately has been absolutely crazy uh, as far as like some of the reach that we've gotten with some of our short videos. So if you guys aren't following us on other platforms, please do. Uh, you can follow us on our website, gunsandtactics.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Rumble. We are on Rumble, even though nobody sees us there. And then we are also going to look at some of these other ones, uh, like Telegram and, and some of the other stuff, just to try to diversify. Because we'll talk about YouTube and firearms here in a little bit, because that's obviously a hot topic. But... Yeah, uh, and as Croak said, the uh, first place you saw me was at a Midwest Industries video. And yes, I do have a relationship with Midwest Industries. They contract me to do a lot of their how-to or installation videos for their product support on their web uh, site. Uh, so I actually got to see the Midwest Alpha line of products before anybody else uh, because they send them to me to do install videos. And their folding stock, their Alpha folding stock, I'm not kidding you. I'm not saying this because I have a relationship with them. It is the nicest Pictini folding stock I've ever seen. As far as like the folding mechanism, how everything locks up together, uh, everything is is super robust and beefy. I told those guys, I was like, when I get my production samples, uh, I want like three of them because I'm going to put it on probably like a MCX. Uh, once I SBR my MPX, an AK, Anything else with a Picatinny rail, that is the nicest Picatinny mount folding stock I have seen. And then their AK Alpha rails, super awesome. Like the optic mounts, everything like that is really, really cool. So 
Uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. All right, Jill's checking in with all the new 10 millimeter handguns out. Are you going to do a hands-on range review? Uh, I doubt it. I got to get an ammo sponsor first uh, to cover all that expensive 10 millimeter ammo. But I do know a guy who is particularly fond of the 10 millimeter handgun. So I bet you I could probably uh, bribe him to come up and help me with that behind the camera, and then you know help out shooting some shooting some 10 millimeters. All right, guys, real quick, a beverage check-in. It is Minnesota's own 1919. They're not a sponsor, so I'm not going to give them too much love. But that's probably uh, still to date the best root beer I've, I've ever had. It has just a nice refreshing vanilla hint to it. It's not overly done. It's not too rooty, uh, if, if there is such a thing as a, too much of a rooty of root beer. But anyways, that is, you know, whatever. Uh, and the MI spokesman, you are now lean and mean looking. I'm not that mean looking. And believe me, I am not lean. Uh, COVID definitely added some some pounds to me over the years. But uh, I used to be a little heavier when I was back in the day. So, But Midwest treats me good. They've been one of my longest video clients. Um, those of you guys that don't know, uh, I do this you know, full-time, but I also do a bunch of other stuff in the industry consulting i help with marketing um you know help with you know trends and and social media stuff and obviously like everything that you do see on guns and tactics uh and then i do some video work for other clients in the industry whether that's making content that they put on their uh outlets like little product reels or short videos or stuff like that uh, or i do like some installation how-to type videos for other companies in midwest obviously uh being one of my longest uh ones so yeah uh, and then let's see here. So we're starting to get our first questions. So let's uh, get into that. And before we do, I do want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, at the top of the heap is Kevin. He has been at the Axon Jackson level for a long time now, our longest and I believe most financially um, at the highest of the financial list is Kevin. So Kevin, thank you again for all of your continued monthly support. And then we do have our 10 spot category. We have Chad F., uh, Comendius, I think I'm pronouncing that right. We have WashingtonGuns.org and Dennis B at that 10 spot level on Patreon. And one of my goals for uh, 2023 is to be improving what we're going to be offering the Patreon supporters. So right now it's it's a pretty small group, but as we grow that, we'll probably have a dedicated live QA for just the Patreon community. Uh, we'll interact there a little bit more, but I do want to see that grow a little bit. And I know it's like, okay, what comes first, the egg or the chicken? You know, so maybe I should put more effort into it to grow it or whatever. Uh, but it is on my goals of 23. So if you want to support the channel, uh, I really, really would appreciate it if you could head on over to Patreon, Guns and Tactics on Patreon. And uh, we would love any support that you can that really does help keep the lights on and pricing ranges from a dollar all the way on up, depending on how, how generous you're able to be. But I do appreciate anything. So... That is genuinely appreciated. All right, let's start answering some questions from our comment section, and then we'll get to the emails as well. So this is from the DTOM American Compensator on a carry gun. Is it worth it? That's a great question. And I think some of the newer uh, comp guns that are coming out, let's let's give credit where credit is due, um, is probably right now the SIG 365 Macro is probably the most popular factory configure gun out there with a comp that's a carry gun size. And that gun shoots pretty good. I shot my first Macro at a class a few months ago. A student had one and I shot it. And I have to say, uh, it was more impressive than I thought it would be as far. It was still a little, you know, snappy because it was just a smaller gun compared to like a full size 2011 that I was mainly shooting at the time. But um, it is definitely, you know, basically... A, a nice little gun. So uh, 
I think it's worth it if you get the right gun and it's tuned right and it's not obnoxious. Now, obviously, prior to that, there was aftermarket solutions where people would get a threaded barrel and then they would add like a bigger uh, comp on the gun to make it like, you know, back in the day, it was called the Roland Special, uh, where you put a 19 and you put a comp and make it a 34 length of the 19 grip. And for whatever reason, that was like the internet rage. However, um, I, I checked it out and I didn't think the juice was worth the squeeze, you know? So like for the extra length and everything like that, I didn't feel like it shot that much flatter than just a stock 19. So I never really went down that trend, but I know a lot of people who did and swore by it, but now we're starting to see factory guns. So I think it's just a matter of time uh, before Glock comes out with something. Uh, Staccato, they just introduced their CS. Now, obviously one of Staccato's flagship models is their XC, which has a comp. And I think it's just a matter of time before Staccato comes out with uh, some sort of comp carry gun as do other companies. So yeah, I think it's probably gonna be one of those things that we see more of. Uh, but is it worth it? I think there's a, a little bit of an improvement, but I wouldn't necessarily go sell a current quality reliable gun to go get one either. So that's a good question. All right, this one is from Croak. If 10 millimeters making a comeback, um, is fighting with 5.7 comeback upsurge. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, 10 millimeter was limited because there wasn't a ton of guns that offered it, but now we have SIG, Smith & Wesson, Glock just updated the Gen 5. Uh, you know, it's, it's coming around and there's more and more people who want it. Now, it's never been my thing because I've never uh, spent a lot of time in like bear country or whatever where somebody might want a 10 millimeter for wildlife defense or whatever. And I've never... Uh, in, in my state, you can deer hunt with a 10 millimeter because it meets the length requirement. But again, I've never done that. So it necessarily hasn't been my jam, but I know there are a lot of people out there who do. And for whatever reason, I feel like if I got a 10 millimeter, uh, I would consider the Glock. Obviously, they're very reliable and beefy, but there's a part of me that I also consider like a maybe a 1911 or a 2011 as well. But, you know, I don't know. It's I don't know, I go back and forth. I'll, I'll probably pick up a 10 millimeter, but now it's just one more caliber I gotta buy and everything else, so. We go back and forth. I don't know, I get it. It's not for everybody, might not be for me, but you know, is what it is. All right, let's see what else we got here. This is from View at Your Own Risk. What is a skill that you consider critical that most people fail to train? Oh, that's a great question. Hmm. You know, off the top of my head, uh, a skill that most people fail to train just in general is awareness. And I know that's not even necessarily a firearms related thing or whatever, but uh, we can talk maybe if you want to follow it up with like what firearm skill. But I would just think in general, uh, my time as a cop, as you guys can see, I have all my crap in the background. I'm retired now, but my time as a cop, I would tell you that so many things happened to people, whether they became the victim of a crime or whether they were a witness, but they didn't really see anything or whether they got into a definitely preventable situation is awareness was uh, severely lacking. Like they had no idea what was about to go on. They had no idea of some of the indicators of what was going on or even the the situation, the likelihood of, of what was going to happen or what could happen because it, it doesn't take much for example for a forest fire to happen there has to be certain you know factors right it has to be dry there has to be like fuel and then there has to be a source of that or whatever but with crime or just general awareness uh, people didn't realize so many times that they are going into a situation where they could become the victim of a crime or they could observe someone be the victim of a crime so they were a crappy witness or whatever so uh you know 
yeah, awareness is definitely something that I, I think people need to be aware of a lot more of like what type of situations people are getting into uh, and where they're going, who they're going there with, what are the risks, who's around, how do you get out of a situation, how do you communicate, or even simple things like do you know where you are? If you had to call for help, how do you tell them to come here? So that is probably my first question our answer to that but if it was a firearms related skill i think uh, i'm a huge believer of still just being proficient with core skills so i call them proficiencies uh, when i do my classes we have what's called the proficiency standards but it encompasses a variety of tasks that i think anybody that wants to be proficient with a handgun should be really good at drawing and presenting the gun maintaining sight picture through recoil manipulating the gun, clearing stoppages. Those are all things of uh, a person who wants to be proficient with a handgun should be at a pretty much, I don't want to say master level, but a proficient level, right? And there's different standards with times. I, could, I should do a video on that. That's actually, uh, I've been meaning to do it. It's just, I got to get to the range and, and do that. But that's a great question. So, all right. And then uh, looping back to our comp gun, it uh, looks like uh, Croak says his uh, X macro is great. Favorite EDC, but it's not great as a range toy. It just gets hot. Yes, that is one of the downsides with compensated guns and stuff like that. It's definitely not like a class gun. And then uh, looping back, awareness is the best answer. Well, I appreciate that. But stop the bleed does not get enough attention and you are spot on. Medical training is one of those things that is not as sexy as going to a two-day operator operating operationally CQB ninja class. So everybody wants to put their time, their money, their resources and all these shooting classes and stuff like that. But first aid and stop the bleed or... Uh, anything medical related doesn't get enough love. And uh, I used to be an EMT. I was not a very good EMT. Um, so I wasn't an EMT for very long. And I will say that some of the skills that I learned, you know, with my medical training have certainly come in handy. And obviously carrying medical equipment is something that we don't give enough credit to. A lot of people are talking about their EDC. And I'll be honest, I don't carry enough medical equipment on me. Like I've looked at some of the ankle rigs and stuff that I could keep in a pocket or a cargo pocket, but it's a little tough um, to, to get a good consistent kit. So I'm hoping that there's some better offerings that continue to come as you know the technology can get things smaller and more compressed. But in my vehicles, in my side-by-side, -side, in my range bags, I have medical equipment all around because it does not get enough attention. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be something firearms related. Uh, you know, like I've put a few tourniquets on in my day, but none of them were gunshot wounds. Uh, it was car crashes and accidents and, you know, trauma injuries and stuff like that. So even simple, you know, life situations, medical training can certainly come in handy. So, uh, yeah, great, great, great comment. This one's from Frank. Um, I recently put together a 10.5 AR BCM BCG, including an O-ring to use on barrels 14 and a half left. I'm hearing differing opinions. Um, so the O-ring is basically to beef up the extraction. So you have the, and I can't show you one. I, I don't want to show any parts on a live stream because that would be um, in violation of YouTube's policy. But uh, so you have your extractor spring, which is kind of cone shaped. And usually there's like a rubber insert with that. Well, that O-ring would go around it and it would basically beef up the extractor tension. Now, generally speaking, I run them on most of my ARs just because it increases the tension that that extractor claw can get around the round. Uh, get around the round, you like that? But with the shorter barrel rifles where the cyclic rate is a little bit higher, it helps with that to hold that round for reliable extraction. So yeah, throw it in there. If it works, great, rock on. Generally not a problem. Uh, and now they include it, but it is a type of O-ring. I figured it out once. It's a, a certain type of material. I want to say like 
Vitron rubber or something like that. Uh, if you guys are an engineer and you could spout off in the comments. Uh, but anyways, I talked to one company and I finally figured out where they bought them in bulk. And I bought like a hundred of them. So I just usually give them out at classes or I have them on hand or replace them as necessary. But I bought them way cheaper. So um, yeah, no, no big deal there. All right. Uh, <laughs> Tangan is waiting for somebody. Okay. Tangan or Tangent with a, is it a G or a J? I, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right, Chris, because I, I don't want to mispronounce it. But, and your flamethrower, that would probably be pretty cool on certain days. But uh, anyways, somebody come out with an 11. That's right. Well, like the old joke, why don't you carry a 45? Because they don't carry a 46. They don't make a 46. All right. Keeping on with the questions. This is great. Um, I don't even know how many people we're up to, but I do appreciate all the comments. It's looking good. It would be nice to see your pistol standards. We work to four standards, the Air Marshal Qual FBI. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd be more than happy to share them with you. Um, on my training website, which is not very active right now because I've been training for another company, I have a drill on there called the 5x5. Five five. Uh, and that's uh, a standard drill that I do in all my classes that I teach now, even for the other company, for uh, 88 Tacticals, who I'm training for. Uh, I do this 5x5 five five handgun drill where it's five different distances, five rounds each, and then we score it. The uh, target is a half sheet of paper, which you can print off the target on the website, but five rounds at 25 yards, 10 seconds, five rounds at 20 yards, eight seconds. We score that, then we move up, and it is uh, at 15, everyone's gonna be five rounds, so just take that, but 15 yards, it is six seconds, 10 yards, it is four seconds, and five yards, it is three seconds. And that is either from concealment or a level three duty holster or a real duty holster. So that's one drill that you could definitely do. And then with the handgun proficiency standards, those are all from seven yards. And then uh, there's basically a grid. So it's like draw, fire one, draw, fire one. Um, we do a bill drill. We do low ready, high ready, uh, fail to fire, fail to extract, draw, fire two, some reloads, some 1R1s, which yes, I know the internet will kill me because a 1R1 is no longer cool, but it's all about mechanics, okay? Uh, there's nothing tactical about these proficiency standards. It's literally measuring your proficiency and your ability to mechanically manipulate, or I should say the ability to manipulate the mechanics of a handgun and you know run the handgun proficiently. So that's what they are. But uh, yeah, that's a good, really good question. I'm more than happy to share that. And then I'd love to have people shoot them or whatever. So good question. This one's from Big Purple. Have you ever had a stovepipe malfunction on your staccato with the SRO from the optic overhanging? Knock on wood, I have not. I've had issues with you know pretty much every gun, but not specifically because of the SRO. Although I have heard of other people it happening to, uh, but not so much as a stove. Well, I guess it would probably be a fail to eject. So all under the same category, but knock on wood, I have not ever had that. Um, what are your thoughts on the SRO versus the 509? Obviously you're, yes, they are both red dots. However, it is not quite apples to apples as it's not an open emitter. Okay. The SRO window is huge. It's awesome. It's big. It's a nice, like everybody loves the SRO. The 509 is a little bit more compact. It's an enclosed emitter. It holds up really well to dirt and dust and snow and all that other stuff. Now, of course, other people could argue, uh, you know what? How much of that stuff really happens in inclement weather or in whatever? Totally get it. Is it probable versus is it possible, right? Those are the things we have to look at. Uh, and I, you, you speak to other military people who have deployed with their handgun red dots, and they'll tell you that open emitters, no big deal. Like, we, we didn't have any issues. 
However, I have had issues in my career where I've been rolling around on the dirt, wrestling with somebody or whatever. And this was pre-Red Dot days, but uh, your holster is full of dirt, dust, debris, whatever. And therefore, you could have some issues or whatever. So do I think closed emitter is the way to go? Yeah, probably. Uh, however, the SRO is just super nice and forgiving. Like that window is just awesome. The other new one that I really want to check out is the Holosun 507 uh, Comp, which is like a big RMR footprint, but it has a big square window. That thing looks absolutely amazing. I definitely want to get one of those. And I think that could give the SRO a real run for its money. So that might be an optic to check out as well. And then what's nice with that is it doesn't overhang as much towards the front. So that would be, uh, that would be pretty awesome. That would be pretty awesome optic indeed, I have a feeling. All right, <clears throat> this one is from William. Do you have a red dot on your handgun? Seriously, is this your first time watching, William? I have a red dot on every one of my handguns. Like, every one. Every single one should have a red dot on it. Okay, maybe you're, you are new, and if you are, I appreciate you watching, and I hope you like, share, subscribe. But uh, do you have a handgun on your red dots? I'm good with iron sights, but would like to try it on a PT-10. PT-10. Oh, uh, P-10, CZ P-10. Uh, for my daughter. Yeah. So I'm a firm believer of anything red dot related on a handgun. And I'm going to try to adjust my chair here. So I apologize if it makes a weird noise, but, uh, I'm a firm believer of handgun red dot all the time. Like every one of my handguns pretty much has a red dot. And if it doesn't, I'm slowly selling off my old handguns to get a red dot version of it. Or if I love that handgun, I'm selling, uh, sending it off to get milled. So it can basically have a red dot. It's not going to be that long. And then people are going to look at handguns the same way they look at ARs. When somebody has an AR with just iron sights, they're going to be like, why don't you have a red dot? And that's how it's going to be with handguns. Mark my words. But handgun red dots are the way. It allows you to target focus. You're able to get more information. There's just so many benefits of it. So uh, I have it all mine all the time. I do have some other videos on red dot kind of basic type stuff, how to mount, how to zero. You can check out the channel. Uh, and then... Uh, I'll try to put some comp, leave some links in the comments when this goes, but um, you know we'll see we'll see what it is. So, all right, that is a great question from William. Let's see here. View at your own risk. Took a one day trauma course in Nebraska, and within the first month, another student saved a life with a tourniquet. Yeah, exactly. Like that type of stuff really, really happens. Absolutely. And the snake staff small tourniquet is pretty good. I'll have to check that out. I appreciate it. Snake staff tourniquet. Uh, Vuitton rubber. See, I knew somebody would know. And caveat impure. Ooh, this is going to be a good one. Uh, but a guy said 70% of the fatal accidents he was at as an EMS, people would have survived if they had to have a tourniquet. And I don't know if that's really true or not, um, because I've also um, talked to a couple of ER docs and they laugh and they're like, yeah, the tourniquet did more harm than good. So sometimes when people get a new toy, they want to use it. Uh, a tourniquet doesn't necessarily need to be put on everybody. Uh, one of them is students, uh, which I don't know if you'll ever stumble across this, Howard, but Howard was a trauma surgeon, like a legit saved lives trauma surgeon. Uh, him and I have a great relationship. Um, he's actually operated on me. So, uh, But Howard has told me a few times along his day that sometimes a tourniquet uh, can do more harm than good as well. So uh, take good quality training and learn from those in the know. That is absolutely for sure. Hey, from Charlotte, welcome, glad to have you. And uh, it is pronounced Tangin, all right, like the Tang drink. Hey, here's one, I bet you've never had this. Have you ever had Tang, the drink, but warm? Yeah, when I was a wee little Boy Scout, 
Uh, we ran out of hot chocolate mix on one of these cold winter camping days, but we actually had tang. So we would use the big hot water jug and we actually mixed it with tang and we would have warm tang. And then it actually wasn't half bad. So we started doing that on every drink. So yeah, tangin'. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Here's your question though. Have you had an experience with Yankee Hill machine barrels? Bought one for a customer. Uh, okay. Uh, I have not had a lot of good experience with Yankee Hill machine in general. That's all I'll say. I don't want to trash them because I don't want to be too rude to them or whatever. Because obviously there's different tiers of quality in the industry and things like that. But um, I'm just saying... With, with being gentlemanly and trying to be professional, there are other things that I would probably buy. Um, as far as barrels, like Rock On, Rainier Arms, some of their barrels are absolutely bang for buck. Awesome, awesome barrels. Um, they, they're just amazing performance. Uh, they have a guarantee. So if you don't like certain lines of their barrels, especially like their higher end ones, you can return them. And truth be told, their customer service is so awesome that uh, if you had an issue, they'll take care of you. But uh, they're getting their blanks from like literally the industry's best. And again, I know a little bit insider knowledge here, but Rainier Arms is generally who I'm buying for barrels right now because they they just rock. So I would check out Rainier Arms for barrels. Absolutely. Thanks for answering my question. I love this channel. You are why I bought my staccato. Man, if only I was on commission, Big Purple. I appreciate that. Hopefully you told staccato that. Uh, but like I said, I'm not on commission from them. I do appreciate you buying a good quality piece, and I'm glad I could help, man. I really am. I really am. All right, so we have our, our comments caught, just about caught up, and then we'll get into some email questions, and we'll be respectful of your time. I do appreciate everybody who is who is with me. All right, this one's from View at Your Own Risk. <laughs> I've seen Dave mount a red dot on a pineapple soda to ensure that's so true. Okay. Have we met in real life? Uh, I don't know everybody's username and stuff like that, but uh, I would. Pineapple soda is delicious, all of it. However, pineapple Fanta is the best pineapple soda. Therefore, it is the best soda of all time. Fact. Hashtag fact. All right, this one is from The Polar Bear. I have a question for you. I have a Black Creek Arsenal 300 blackout upper went shooting. You shoot and it goes click. You shoot it again, it goes click. You should have twice and it goes click. Okay, it sounds like it's failing to fire then. Um, I wanna make sure I'm reading that right. You shoot it and it goes click. You shoot it again and it goes click. So yeah, it sounds like it's failing to fire. So it could be an issue, a lot of things really. Uh, it could be a obviously an issue with your trigger Okay, not having enough hammer energy. Uh, it could be an issue with the firing pin, not having enough protrusion. It could be an issue with the bolt or carrier not allowing the firing pin. It could be an issue with the chamber. Like there's a lot that could be going on and unfortunately without seeing it in person is really tough to diagnose. Uh, so obviously the other thing is, is it could be ammunition as well if you're using like um, crappy ammo. But if it's a 300 blackout, it's probably factory ammo with soft primers. So, but anyways, uh, I would be suspicious of what it is. So try to troubleshoot some of that stuff individually. Like maybe... Uh, with a different bolt carrier group, try it on a different lower, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a tough one to kind of go over. All right. Uh, you're welcome, William. I appreciate that. All right. View at your own risk. I've been a fan and follower since Tim Training. Oh my gosh, really? Tim Training, you have been around a while. Yeah. So, and pre-weight loss. That has been some time, man. That has been some time. I'm trying to keep it off. I'm trying to, but I got to say, like, COVID was hard to me and I've gained a couple, so... Now that I'm working from home, I find myself getting lazy sometimes. 
But I appreciate that, man. You have been a viewer of a long time. You went through my identity crisis stage because I think it was like Tim training. Then it was called Patrol Tactical. And then we settled on learning firearms. Uh, and then obviously I got hired then by Guns and Tactics, which is where I am now. So I appreciate you following me the whole way, man. That's really cool. Uh, do me a favor. View at your own risk. Send me an email. Uh, you can just send it to the info at gunsandtactics.com. You can send it to this one. And if you do that and just drop in there or whatever, I'll send you out some patches and some stickers and that kind of stuff. So, And I would love to send you guys out everybody. Um, however, uh, it's like, I can't remember how much it is for postage now, but it's ridiculous. I sent out a couple of screws to a viewer and it was $5 just because they wouldn't fit through the stupid slot or whatever. So, but yeah. All right. Loving the Rainier Arms Trigger Guard. Yeah, they make some good stuff. And then Croak, Pineapple Fanta, maybe the best pineapple soda. But just like a hot dog is not a sandwich. Nothing with pineapple on pizza. Yes, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. All right, let me check over to emails, guys. I got to give the email questions some love. And I know we got a, uh, a bunch of uh, questions from Kevin that we got to get to. So there we are. So let me loop back to the QA. Do, do, do. There we are. All right, got a few questions that we can answer here. I watched your YouTube video on red dots and not needing to co-witness, which that has been uh, traditionally a pretty good viewed video for me. I like that. One question. I have an MNP 2.0 series, which comes with suppressor height sights. If I put the red dot, will there automatically be co-witness due to the higher sights or will I still be able to use the red dot without having the glass obstructed? Also, do you recommend a certain red dot for pistols, hollow sun, etc.? Um, hollow sun stuff is really good. So you're not going to have a problem with that. Uh, the 508, the 509, the EPS, they're all great. Trigicon RMR is still great. SRO is great. Delta Point Pro, awesome. It's like we have so many good options. And uh, I think it's going to be even just a better, better, you know, offering soon. CHPWS just came out with their line of red dots at SHOT Show, which we'll talk about more SHOT Show stuff here in a little bit. Uh, and I haven't seen hands on them other than at the show. So I don't know if they're like great or if there's an issue. One of my badges fell down. You guys see that? It's over there lame i had a shadow box made with all my retirement crap and one of them already came down but uh, i just i did notice that before but now i'm noticing it again anyways uh holo suns you're not going to regret that now depending on your plate how low it sits in the slide is where the sights will sit in the window but generally speaking just like i went over in that video i want those sights as low and out of the way as possible and suppressor sites just allow them to be visible. So you're gonna be just fine. And this one's from Jason via email. All right, this is our first ones from Kevin. And uh, I'm not seeing any new comments. So I just wanna make sure I'm, I'm staying on track with those. Uh, Kevin, and I apologize guys, I did not, the graphics for this month, putting the questions on the show did not work out. So we're just gonna run with this. Um, Kevin, you sent a bunch, so we're just going to probably have to kind of power through a lot of them just to make sure we have time for other questions and comments, but I do appreciate your support. What are some things that you look for as an instructor to help fit a handgun to a shooter's hand in terms of selecting the correct basic handgun grip, shape, size, or whatever? And obviously, uh, the most obvious answer is just size of the hand to size of the gun. So pretending that this was the object, uh, are they able to get high up under the trigger guard, but yet still put their pinky on the grip for that style of gun? And are they able to get high up on the back strap to, you know, fully ride up on the beaver tail just to make sure we can do that? Can they reach the controls? Is it comfortable for them? You know, those are all the things that we're going to basically look for. And then obviously, can they manage recoil? Because just as much recoil is controlled up here, we also get more leverage with what I call the bottom fingers. When I'm teaching classes, I break down the grip. We have our thumbs, we have our top fingers, and we 
have our bottom fingers and I kind of break down in classes what all of the parts of the grip do to control recoil. So those are some things there. And what are uh, some things that you can do to help someone force their hands to fit the wrong handgun? Well, obviously if we have to adjust grip or if we have to look at a different trigger, things like that, and your female was basically a, a maybe a female police officer who was issued a larger gun for them. And that's my biggest frustration is I, I go and I travel and I teach some of these departments and their chiefs love to brag about how they issue everybody their own car and they let them pick and do this and do that. But yet they, um, they issue everybody the same size handgun at times. And it's like, why? People come in different shapes and sizes. You've acknowledged that by giving them the choice of their car. But yet now you're going to tell me that they have to all use the same one size fits all handgun. So, and obviously, um, Glock is a little behind the curve when it comes to their grip system, like the interchangeable back straps. Whereas if you compare that to like M&P or some of the other ones out there that have more of the modules that allow you to, to build or shrink the grip, but it's, it is what it is. So uh, in my old agency, we gave people the choice between a uh, 19 and a 45. So a full size grip or a slightly smaller grip, depending on what that shooter was more comfortable with. Uh, what things could, do you do to help redesign a handgun fit the person. Well, obviously you can do grip reductions, you can do stippling, contouring, not every place allows that or whatever. So, uh, or yeah, like the P10C, it's a great ergonomic firearm. It fits really, really well. Absolutely it does. So I love those as well. CZ is nice. Actually, I have some CZs coming. Uh, Dustin, if you're watching, which I don't know if you are or not, I haven't seen you comment yet, but one of my dream guns, guys, and this is, goes back a long time, it was a, I've always had a soft spot for a CZ-75 or that style of gun, right? Now there's kind of a family of 75s. But I've just always been really impressed by the quality, the machining, just the feel of those 75s or that family, uh, because obviously I'm not buying a 75, but so then there was the Shadow, the Shadow 2, the Customs, the TSOs, like all of those type of CZ handguns have just always had like a sweet spot for me. But I've never bought one because I knew I couldn't carry it. I wasn't going to compete with it. I wasn't going to whatever. And I don't know. But then they came out with the uh, TS2 Green. And I was just like, man, that is it. So I've been keeping a stock alert on that. So whenever I saw one come in stock, I was going to pick one up. Well, then I find out they're discontinued. And it's like, well, crap. So I met CZ at SHOT Show and they said, yep, it's discontinued. We're just trying to slim down. We don't need a blue and orange and green and you know all this redundancy in our product line. And I was like, well, I really wanted one. Green is my favorite color, whatever. So they said, well, we might have some on closeout. So I actually was lucky enough to find a closeout demo and uh, I picked one up. So it should be here maybe this week. I'm pretty, pretty pumped about it. I'm not gonna lie. I'll do a video. Uh, it's just something that I've wanted. So I really do, really do like those and respect those a lot. All right, let me uh, just do a quick check, make sure we are keeping up on comments and everything else. Looking good. I think we are. Let me go back to the emails. Um, I think that is the questions on that email. Let's switch to this one. What, when an instructor warns the student not to repeat or steal his magically patented curriculum on how to hold a pistol or an AR, what are some approaches to handle this nonsense? Uh, obviously, if there's specific terms or something like that, I try to be respectful. So uh, if I take something, and I'll even in my classes, I'll give credit where credit is due. And I'll tell people, you should be giving credit where credit is due. Because that's just the respectful professional thing to do. But for somebody that says don't, um, obviously, yeah, they're not aware of how intellectual property works and things like that. Now, yes, you talk about some things being patented or something like that. But the reality is, uh, I believe like other 
professional colleagues of mine that if I teach somebody something, okay, call it whatever, and if you feel that that technique is going to help your student, of course I would want you to take it and help that student. And that's how a lot of us feel. So that's uh, that's that. Um, and how should nonsense talk from instructors be handled? Like I said before, Kevin, I don't know who you're training with, but you train with some people that give you some very unique experience um, that I would be, uh, I would probably be moving with my money and my mouth uh, elsewhere or talking with my money. Uh, what's the saying? Put your money where your mouth is. And I would be going and training with other people because I don't know who you're training with, but some of the stories you've had, man, uh, I don't, I don't get it. What would be a good DASA pistol to use as a baseline to redesign it as a family or a female friendly? Um, none, because DASA pistols are kind of meh. I mean, it's 2023. Like we have better guns now, man. Uh, the old Beretta 92s, the P239s, 226s, 229s, uh, all those guns, the DASA stuff. I just think it's kind of dated and uh, obviously the 226 has a sweet spot in my heart because it was my first carry pistol but um i don't know if i was designing a pistol dedicated i mean like look at uh walther with their f series they're figuring it out right uh, i think glock could do some things as well uh and there's others too but i don't know i'd have to think about that one but i don't think i would use a disa as a baseline all right, this one is from Joseph, and he actually even put some graphics in there. I wish I could show them on the screen. I, Yeah, they look good. Uh, good afternoon. I'm glad your video appeared as a top result when I searched this about the co-witnessing again. Again, that video is doing great. Uh, one of my Vortex and one has an RMR. One has a dot centered, and the iron sights will be in alignment when in the glass. The RMR has the dot centered, but the irons will not be in alignment. And yeah, sometimes that happens. So... Um, it is, it is what it is. Now, what are you more accurate with? Is it the dot? Is it the sights? Because that could be it. If you're accurate with both, it could just be that something mechanical isn't quite lining up, or it could be that you can see your target better with the dot than you can with your iron sights, and you might be shifting a little bit. So obviously, you could have somebody else shoot with it, turn the dot off, make sure your uh, irons are, are square and things like that too, because a lot of people don't zero their handguns with fixed iron sights. And that's a controversy that I've had to address in classes because I tell people, all right, now we're going to zero your handguns. And they look at me like, I can't, aside from, yes, drifting your sight. But the reality is we kind of have to know our hold based on that. So if the hold is the variable now, that's what we can adjust. And when we do our walk back on a fixed sight gun, then that's what we do. So that's kind of my zeroing a handgun spiel. But yeah, just rock on, man. If everything works good, um, you can go from there. When I install iron sights on a pistol for a customer or whatever, I use a micrometer and I, or I'm sorry, a caliper, not a micrometer, a caliper, and I actually will measure the sight in the gun. And I try to get it within about three thousandths or so. Sometimes I can get it within three, four thousandths, sometimes maybe a hair less. Uh, and if it's more, then I try to really get it within that three to four thousandth of an inch center, uh, measuring it from both sides. And obviously then that accounts for, is the sight machine correctly? Is the groove in the sight you know, perfectly centered within the site body and stuff like that. So we do have to make some assumptions with that. All right, a couple more emails, and then I'll get back to comments. And uh, we're doing great. We're on about 45 minutes. So as long as you guys are still sticking with me, we'll keep going. And then, by the way, if uh, you want to watch this, you can watch it on YouTube, but you can also get it wherever you get your podcasts as well because there is an audio version of this. So that'll be – you can just search for Guns and Tactics wherever you get your podcasts, and then we have our QA. And then I'll probably look looking to make some more podcasts this year. That's going to be another one of my goals. But – Sometimes it's just a little easier for me to sit here and talk and uh, we could record that, you know, to an audio format or whatever.
All right. This one is from Kevin again. Uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant and transparency is talked about, but rarely allowed. What are some ways police officers can help show what is going on in their training classes without retaliation against them for telling the truth? Again, Kevin, I'm not exactly sure what context you mean. Um, I, I just don't experience that. And maybe that's a kind of more of a thing where you're from or whatever, but I don't know. I When I teach, I document it in the lesson plan. I teach it how it is. Uh, obviously, I elaborate on some stuff more than what's in a lesson plan. But I'm pretty transparent, and most of the people that I know are are just the same. So I'm not quite sure. Uh, what is there any things that can be done as an instructor to stop people from judging others for having stuff on their guns? Uh, part of that's going to be a little bit personal preference on what it is. Uh, you know, and your comment is if Jennifer can outshoot everyone with a muzzle brake and a weapon mounted light, great. Uh, it can also be the source of ridicule. And again, I don't know what classes and stuff you're going to, but uh, the only ridicule that I see sometimes is with uh, older traditional instructors, i.e. in my area, it's more permit to carry instructors. And basically what happens is when a student shows up with more of a modern gun with a red dot or something like, or a light or whatever, the instructor will be like, what do you need all that stuff on there for? That's just stuff to fail and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so with that, again, vote with your feet. There are people that are obviously past their prime, and just like leadership has a shelf life, I think training knowledge and ability has a shelf life, and there's a time to call it, right? So if you're dealing with these instructors a lot, I think it's time for you to vote with your feet and uh, and move move away from that and find people that are more, more modern and have better things to offer. So um, let's see here. When an instructor starts talking nonsense and giving out bad advice or false info, when should a student speak up? Again, uh, I don't think necessarily in class is the time to get into the quote unquote pissing match, but sometimes uh, different perceptions might be truths for different people. So it, it may not necessarily that they're even intentionally doing it, but they might not know any better or anything like that. So yeah, anyways, uh, that's a good one. All right, let me uh, keep looping up here and let's get to some comments. All right, here we go. Uh, first, quick kind words here from Phonix127. I appreciate you watching, man, I really do. I would love to see a video that shows the best or most popular currently red dots side by side. That's a great idea, that's a great idea. Um, I'm assuming you're talking handgun red dots and I think I can make that happen because I've pretty much got them all. So that's a good idea. One of the things that I have planned for this year, I'm writing it down because that's a good idea. RDS. Which RDS video? Uh, one of the things I have planned for a variety of categories, whether it be PCCs or 2011s or whatever, is to have a bunch of them on the market that are here, or excuse me, have a bunch of them that are on the market with me at the range, and we kind of go through them and we talk about the pros of each. And we kind of then let you decide which would be the best for you. You know, so I'm not gonna necessarily trash on like, oh, this one sucks, this one's better. Um, but really just kind of highlight the benefits of each one and what I like about each one and the benefits. And I, we could totally do that with a red dot video. That's a great idea. I absolutely love that idea. Awesome. Uh, I've tried to follow your shot coverage pretty close and I definitely think was the best. Well, I appreciate that, man. Um, I tried to be speedy. I still have about 20-ish videos to upload all in shorts. Uh, I will say that we are not the best. I think the best shot show coverage year for year is uh, giving a shout out to James and Hop over at the Firearms Blog or TFBTV. They have a separate channel called TFBT 
or TFB Showtime, which is where most of their trade show coverage goes. Those guys put out about 80 videos, I believe, from SHOT, and they're the full-length, you know, interview-style booth videos or range videos. And we used to do those back in the day at SHOT Show, but at that point, a lot of people were doing those booth videos, and it was just, you'd get lost in a sea of of videos where you couldn't get views, even though you might have a good topic, or maybe you'd have one that would skyrocket. Um, but a lot of times for the time and money and investment for editing and everything else, uh, we just weren't getting the views. So, and then there was a couple years where I didn't go to SHOT Show because I didn't feel like I was getting enough out of it. And I didn't have the budget for travel and all that. And that was when the channel was still kind of small. But I think the best SHOT Show coverage by far goes to uh, James and Hop at TFB TV. And they're super good dudes. I've met them. Hop, um, I, I don't know if the guy is ever smiles or whatever. Like, I try to talk to him, and I'm like, hey, nice to meet you, whatever. And he's like, yep, nice to meet you. Like, just straight level face dude. Um, whereas, you know, James is, uh, you know, when I met him, he was a little more happy or whatever. So maybe Hop doesn't like me. I don't know. I like him. I like his content, you know. But... Uh, He's a tough guy to read, but they both do a really good job. And TFB uh, by far is the best coverage. So if you're looking for other SHOT Show coverage, I would definitely check out their stuff too. Really, really good stuff. All right, let's check out this guy. Uh, this is from Frank. Uh, are you familiar with the Thornton Custom Cheek Rest? Um, I've heard of it. Somebody else asked about that. Uh, right now, I... I don't want to do this, but I have to be really cautious on where I go with the whole brace thing because who knows when YouTube is going to retroactively enforce something when it comes to braces. So uh, here's the deal I would say is we all have to keep our, our eyes on current legislation and see what happens. Uh, but with the Thorsten cheek piece, I don't know. I'm just going to pull it up here quick. And this is what I also like about being down here is I can, um, I can quick access stuff. Whereas when I'm out in the studio with the laptop, it's a little bit different. So, uh, but yes, their cheek rest, that's what it was. Uh, is it going to replace the braces? I don't know. Uh, because it wouldn't surprise me if there's, well, here's my predictions with the braces. I think there's going to be some injunctions and lawsuits and stuff that might put it on pause. And then people have asked me like, hey, are you going to register any of your braced firearms? And uh, I haven't decided yet. Um, I'm not trying to be non-committal or, or telling you to do one thing or not do another. I'm just telling you that I haven't decided yet. I have no problem doing SBRs. I have SBRs. Uh, I have company SBRs and whatever else. So it's not that I'm against that either. I had SBRs from when before I had my uh, FFL and everything else too. But I haven't decided yet because I want to see how it plays out. When the, the whole brace thing first came out, I was actually kind of against it. I thought, braces are silly. Just get an SBR. But my attitude on that has changed once I've uh, started to see a lot of the legal benefits. Cause at the time you could travel easier with a pistol, you could carry a pistol, you could transport a pistol. Uh, and then that was at the point where the ATF said, Hey, shoot it how you want. It's a pistol, no matter what you do. And we were like, all right, we had letters. We had the bless. Those were the good old days. Who knows that the good old days, right? But then they would change their mind. You can't shoulder it. You can now they're SBRs. Uh, now you can register it under this amnesty period. And then, of course, some people are like, if you register it, they're going to come and take it. I don't know, man. I'm, I can't predict the future, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Now, speaking of that, Tangan uh, says he has used it and it works well. So yeah, there we go. We have some use experience. So generally for me, uh, I generally will either SBR it and put a stock on it uh, because I'm on the unlimited plan or I, I have a brace on some stuff. So I like my older guns. I hunt with a 85 M77. Yeah, those are great guns. 
Those are great guns. Uh, as far as I know, a round from a modern rifle and a round from an older rifle hit the same. Yeah, they can. The uh, the modern old stuff does, you know, gets argument pretty quick, gets old pretty quick. I totally agree. However, when it comes to certain things, uh, like red dots on handguns, for example, uh, I've had some permits carry instructors or old instructors say that they're nothing but failure prone. Um, they're a gimmick. They don't do anything. They're slower. You know, all this other crap. And the reality is the same reason why we have red dots on our rifles is we have them on our handguns. So I think we do need to evolve with certain technology as well. Uh, same thing with uh, 1911s. They used to be cool. And then they were unreliable so that you couldn't carry cocked and locked and whatever. And now look at how popular staccato is. So sometimes things do come around and get better. All right. Um, let's see here. All right. So, yeah, Tangan says he uh, he would use the Thorsten cheek piece over a brace. So there you go. Another option there. All right. Let me just check in with emails quick and we'll make sure we're caught up on those. Um, we did have one. We had a comment as well, but. Let's see here. Are there any better resources? And Kevin, I might need your help with this one because I'm going to be honest, this one is new to me. Are there any better resources out there for people to learn about the truths about ammunition? What are some good factual programs? But then in your comments, you say, not too many companies can afford a single Indicom 2 and the technicians and engineering staff to maintain and interpret the data. Uh, real experts cannot teach the Indicom 2 to law enforcement or everyday citizens, so they never get the exposure uh, to any indicator diagrams. So here's the deal. I have no idea what an Indicom 2 is. I'm assuming it's some sort of measuring apparatus that is done in like laboratory type environment to measure ammunition, but I don't know if it measures energy or what. So you'll have to help me out with that. Uh, now, as far as uh, truths about ammunition, Federal ATK used to have a ballistics workshop program that would travel around. Uh, and it was, they had public events as well. And they would actually demonstrate their various carry lines in gel, basically going through FBI ballistic protocol. And they would kind of evaluate like, you know, this is a good carry around because it does this. And obviously gel is a standard, right? Is gel the perfect medium? Nope, but it's a standard medium for us to test ballistic efficiency. So uh, does it automatically translate to performance? No, it doesn't always either. But with these bigger companies like Hornaday and Federal, um, Winchester, you know, that have had a lot of data of real use encounters and engagements with their ammunition, they can correlate that to see where it complements and where it goes with uh, the the data from the gel, right? So we can definitely learn from some of that stuff and figure out what is good ammo and what is not, because obviously there's better ammo than others. Uh, and we have to be realistic to that. There's better high quality ammo than others. So that is, um, that is something that we can utilize. But as far as other programs, I don't know if there's anybody else doing those ballistic workshops. And I think even with COVID, those have kind of taken a backseat and I don't know if they're coming back anytime soon. So I don't have a good question or uh, answer for you there, Kevin. I apologize. All right. One of the other comments that I wanted to address was a YouTube comment that basically asked about um, the NRA Juniors program and what I thought of that to try to basically, you know, get more people into the, the shooting sports and things like that. And true story on my little shelf of knickknacks, which you can't see, this is my... NRA Juniors program, one of my shooting medals that I got from the NRA Juniors program when I was a wee lad. Uh, so, oh shoot, and I broke the little link here, so I better, dang it, put that back before I lose the rest. 
Uh, there was and, and anybody who shot the juniors, would you'd have these little bars that you'd add, and you'd have to like bend the little links. And I literally bent one of the links and dropped it. So good luck finding that. But anyways, uh, I'm a huge uh, believer in the program because I I did it as a kid, and that was my exposure to kind of organized shooting sports and learning a discipline. We went every Sunday after church. We'd go to the NRA juniors, and you get to shoot, and you'd work your way up. And uh, I, I really liked it. Now, with Appleseed and Trap and high school and things like that, I think the more programs out there, the better. So I would love to see uh, the NRA Juniors program evolve a little bit, too, and maybe incorporate some of the action shooting sports or pistol or, you know, there's different ways that we can do it. Because I think the three-positional NRA Juniors program or, like, the prone events, um, you know, they, they are dated a little bit. And or bullseye shooting for that matter, one eye bullseye shooting is just not as, as popular anymore. So maybe if things could uh, evaluate or you know they could evaluate it and then evolve a little bit, that would be kind of interesting. So, all right, let's see. Uh, if there would have been red dots on pistols for the global world on global war on terror, the field of opinions would be dramatically different. It seems like most firearms tech is really uh, just on the coattails of global war. Uh, yeah, and there has been some guys overseas, um, you know, military people that have had dots on their guns and stuff that obviously it wasn't as widespread. But I think we do learn a lot from our military. Obviously, uh, we can give the global war on terror credit for the proliferation of tourniquets. Uh, they used tourniquets a lot overseas and they saved a lot of lives. And that is kind of what is leading the way. However, when it comes to firearms, I would argue that in some ways the military is the follower and not the leader when it comes to firearms technology. The leader of firearms tech, of trends, of techniques, of equipment, always will go to competition shooters, period. I don't care what anybody says, I'll argue that until I am blue in the face. And there's a reason why the Army Marksmanship Unit, which is a competition unit of the Army, trains pretty much every elite unit in our armed forces. Uh, or their equivalents or whatever it might be. But the AMU literally teaches our most elite warfighters firearms technique. They talk about firearms setup and things like that. So uh, competition shooters lead the way. Red dots on handguns, nothing new. Competition shooters have been doing that for 30 plus years. Compensators, tuning barrels, free floating, better harmonics, better triggers, magnified optics on rifles, ARs, competition market, all led the way. Um, like the uh, Designated Marksman Program, the SPR Program, a lot of those were influenced from competition and, uh, you know, shooting sports type information and programs and stuff like that. So a uh, lot of lot of stuff comes from that. And I think, uh, I mean, even look at the 2011. For a long time, the 2011 was a gamer-only gun, and now it's in duty holsters of a ton of people, right? So things can come around definitely from there. All right, this one's from Rodney Bonds. What's your opinion regarding the 2011 landscape? Seems to be getting crowded. No, it is not. There is never too many good quality 2011s. Uh, we'll talk about that. I do have SHOT Show to get to on this live stream. And I will say, uh, everybody, it is the year of the 11, right? Like the Oracle Arms 2311 came out. Uh, EAA is coming out with their own version. Uh, I want to say they're calling it an 1811. Um, Rock Island has their version, although I think the Rock Island uses paramags, which that's that was silly. They shouldn't have done that. Uh, Voodoo, which is one of my favorite companies, they have their double stack 1911s coming out. Not to mention the new Staccatos. Um, Type A Group is I can't remember what their gun company is called, but they're coming out with like a six thousand dollar 2011, which is 
man, that thing better be pretty legit to go against. Like that's like Infinity Atlas custom gun type money. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, what do I think about the opinion of 2011 landscape? I am a firm believer. Or then, of course, you have the prodigies and stuff like that. I'm a firm believer that good options only benefits the consumer and it only makes the market better. So if 10 more companies came out with a 2011 this year, which there is one company that I can't talk about yet that is coming out with a double stack gun uh, that will probably be out around NRA. And I'm hoping to be able to you know talk more about that in the near future here. But there's going to be another company that's I'll just say they're well known um, and I'm not going to like lead into it too much more because if you guys guessed enough, you could definitely figure it out. But uh, there, there is going to be more and more in that market. And it's eventually it's going to be probably just as crowded as the AR. But the reality is the more and more good options we have, the better it is for the market. And that's just going to continue to evolve uh, and either make things better quality, lesser expensive, more available. There's really not a whole lot of more features we can really add to them. I mean, it's kind of like an AR. There's just only so much you can do to an AR, and there's only so much we can do to a single action pistol. But I think it's just going to continue to be better for for the consumers, right? So that's always a good thing. Um, and then a follow-up question that looked like Croak commented, uh, good quality 2011 is why you see them in duty holsters now. Reliable in 2011 didn't used to work in the same sentence. And you're not wrong, my friend. Um, Good quality 2011s in the competition arena, like back when I was competing and I carried a 2011 in my competition rig, but I would not have carried one on duty. And it was mainly because we had to tune magazines. We had to, you know, rely on some of this uh, pre-tuning to get it to run just right. Now we have, uh, honest, I will argue that the biggest thing holding the 2011 back or that held it back was magazines. You know, like when I would buy my custom uh, three-gun pistol, uh, I'd have to pay $100 a piece for tuned magazines before I learned how to tune them myself. Now you have the G3 um, staccato mags, and you have other companies that are making staccato type mags. Uh, because basically with double stack 1911, for those of you guys that don't know, there's para P14 mags, and then there's uh, staccato 2011 type mags. And those are pretty much the two. And even within that, there's not 100% compatibility because of base plates and stuff. But for the most part, those are the two common platforms uh, for double stacks. And I want to say it was like Caspian or something that used Paramags and then pretty much everybody else was using a, a Staccato or then STI 2011 type mag. So uh, anyways, um, those are the two. And I think most of, of the industry is going to move towards that Staccato 2011 type magazine. And that's what uh, the aftermarket is starting to produce. Uh, Checkmate, Duramag, MBX, um, who else is the other one that makes the magazines? Uh, Triarch, but they're actually made by somebody else. But I uh, can't say one of those other people that I might have mentioned. But anyways, and then of course, Takato. But um, they're all making 2011 magazines where they're marking them either 1911 DS or 2011. And then you have a few guns that are using the Para P14, but uh, I don't like those magazines as well. So, but anyways, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of spiel on that. So, uh, but as far as good quality, I just am I'm happy to see more and more options on the market. And I even, um, I, I give Springfield a lot of credit for coming out with a $1,500, uh, their prodigy. And I had issues with mine, and I, but I was able to get it fixed. Not everybody's going to have that same issue. But funny story about the prodigy is Springfield actually reached out uh, and said, you know, hey, we want to send you one to check out. And it's like, I bet you do. I bet you do. And you, I told them, I said, look, I made videos about it and I sent them links and uh, I was like, I didn't have good luck with my retail version that I had. So uh, I will say 
the version, the gun that they sent me, I'm guessing they know it was a media sample because it, it feels way better out of the box than my retail gun. And I'm not saying that they cherry picked it, but I'm just saying it feels way better. So either they've improved them across the board, which is what I would like to assume, but I'm skeptical, okay? Uh, do I feel it was maybe picked and worked over because they knew it was going to go to a media outlet? Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know for sure, but I will tell you that out of the box, the gun that I received direct from them, knowing it was going to me, uh, the trigger's lighter, everything feels better on it, whereas the retail that I bought that I made my videos with had a heavy five-plus pound trigger. It was, I had some issues, so... It is what it is, I guess. So we'll see. Um, you had a double 1911 from Para? Yeah, so that's... Uh... And if you had a Para that ran, they would run well. But th that wasn't very common either. I can't tell you how many Paras I saw. That. All right, I would love to see folks move to the 2011 platform in a micro-compact. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the CS from Staccato actually uses its own proprietary mag. So who knows if we'll ever see that become a standard. Uh, but... And that's what I kind of like about some of the other guns coming to market. Uh, the Oracle Arms 2311 was probably the biggest buzz pre-SHOT Show. And I made a beeline to get over to that right away uh, because it's a 1911-2011 inspired gun, but it takes SIG 320 mags. And it's fully ambidextrous. So it has ambidextrous slide release, mag catch is reversible, safety. And that's one thing that the 2011 can't say that it can do. It doesn't have ambi controls. So the Oracle is looking pretty cool. I have one on the way. I'm excited to check that out. You'll, you'll see my true thoughts on that. Uh, other hybrid guns, the Dan Wesson DWX. Uh, I'm again, super excited about that gun when it was announced in like late 19, early 20. Uh, I was super pumped because it basically had CZ ergonomics at that we thought it was going to take CZ mags of some type, and now it does. It takes the P10, P09 mags, which they're good quality magazines, but yet we have a true straight press trigger, and it's truly a hybrid between CZ and 2011, but yet there's also some modularity in there because the fire control group, from what I'm being told, can be taken out kind of like a 320. So that gun is probably the most hybrid right now, but I would call it um, under the X11 family. So uh, or the wide body family. And I look at what my criteria is to meet kind of this wide body is that it has to have a trigger with trigger bow that allows it to go straight back and it's single action. So I don't care what kind of magazines it takes, but those are those are like my two main criteria. Otherwise, it, it doesn't fit in this you know category of 2011, 1911, double stack or hybrid type guns. But that's just what I'm calling it. All right, guys, I think we are caught up. Uh, let's talk SHOT Show quick, and then I'll probably wrap this up and we'll give away a prize to a random commenter. Um, but I got to say, <clears throat> wow, oh, wow, was SHOT Show a fun time. Like, I just had an absolute blast at the show. And, uh, oh, perfect. And I got, view at your own risk, I got your email. Thank you very much. I'm going to pin that right now and go from there. Down in Iowa. Well, all right, man. I like it. So, oh, and you even sent a screenshot to validate. Now you, that's impressive, sir. That's impressive. All right. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, SHOT Show. What a fun time I had at SHOT Show. I saw my first show in Vegas ever. I uh, went to that and I had some really good meals. Got to hang out with some super cool people. Got to check out some super cool firearms, obviously. So if you had to ask me the coolest stuff I actually saw when I was out there, and I look at SHOT Show as a collective uh, because there's so many other events and things going on that aren't necessarily even at the show. 
Uh, but Noveski party I got to go to and they had their lot lizard and I did a, a reel or a short video on that, which you can check out on the outlets, but that lot lizard was cool like a short little bolt action folding thing um and i can't really talk about like why it was made because it was made to do some things that you know like some secret squirrel type stuff uh but uses ar magazines uh it just looked like a really really cool little suppressed setup would be what i wanted for so i'm ordering one like i want one right away they are just it was just neat it was just kind of fun so that in like a little 300 blackout i think would be a very cool little quiet compact bolt action gun um, and just hanging out with some of those dudes was really fun. I really enjoyed that. And, you know, it was, it was a fun experience. Uh, prior to that, I got to go to the SIG range day event, uh, and SIG really knows how to put on a good event and the gun that surprised me the most. So when I went to that event, I was like, I want a SIG 226 X5. Like I've always had a sweet spot for that. Just Ugh, that's just a cool handgun for me. And I was like, I want one of these. They've updated it now. It has a rail. It has a, a red dot mount. I want one bad. And I shot it and it shot great, just like I'd expect. I was like, this is nice. But then they were like, you got to shoot the new AXG Legion 320. And I got to tell you, like I've been, uh, as Dustin joked around, I came out of the 320 closet like a wrecking ball. Like I love my AXG 320. That's a nice, nice handgun. And now they have this AXG Legion 320 with an integral comp on it. And I shot that legit. Like that was the best handgun that SIG had there out of all of them, including the X5. And one of the engineers was telling me like, well, the X5 is more of a, you know, con dude, I'm telling you, if I shot them side by side, the, the 320 was legit. Uh, absolutely legit. Uh, I was beyond impressed. So <sighs> I don't know what to say. Um, let me just text my babysitter here quick. making sure my kids are covered here. The joys of live. This is what happens when we're going live here. But uh, the 320 AXG Legion was the best shooting handgun that SIG had. And I I have one on order. I think they're going to sell for around 12, which is a great price. Uh, metal grip, but that thing just shot flat and smooth. I have a short video on that as well. So very, very impressed with the AXG Legion. Uh, so what else was cool? Uh, the SIG Romeo T... 9T optic with the dual reticle. That was really cool. I think that'd be awesome on like a 300 blackout spear. Uh, Holosun with their digital night vision and thermal in their reflex sight. That was so cool to see. Now the thermal is only 320 resolution, so it's not the best, but it has an overlay reticle. So you can either use the reticle within the thermal overlay, or you can use your actual red dot reticle, but it is an overlay system. So you're actually looking through the glass with that optic but yet you can overlay thermal imaging from the, the thermal camera. So uh, it's actually really cool. Or if the uh, front of the optic got obstructed somehow, you can use the thermal. So Holosun, I'm telling you, as far as innovation in the optics industry, they are leading it. They're small enough to be nimble. They're big enough to make quality and quickly. Um, they've done a really, really good job. That was probably some of my favorite optics. And then, like I said, their new handgun optics, the uh, SCS 320, the SCS, the SCRS, uh, which is a little rifle sight, which uses a 509 footprint. The thermal stuff, like I said, the 507 comp. Uh, Leupold had their 2 to 10 Mark V. That scope was really cool. I, I requested a, a sample of that because I want to check that out for like SPR, marksman type stuff. Uh, can't wait. Cannot wait to get that optic. I think it's going to be awesome. From the turrets back, it's Mark V forward. It's a smaller, more compact 2 to 10 package. And a lot of people are like, well, why would I get a 2 to 10 when I can get a 1 to 10? Well, number one, it has a larger objective, 
So not only do we have a better exit pupil and eye relief, i.e. the eye box is better, but now we also have side parallax adjustment more for distance shooting. So it's truly more of a precision rifle scope versus a LPVO, which LPVOs are awesome and I love LPVOs and 1 to 10s are really cool. I love my 1 to 10s, but this 2 to 10, I'm telling you, is a quality optic for what it's doing. Uh, super pumped about that. And boom, all the way from Tangent Arms, a super chat for a 10 spot. Thank you very much, sir. I really do appreciate it. Check out Chris, Tangent, and Holly. Next time I'm driving through Holly, man, I don't drive through that way very often, but every now and again I go to Fargo. I'm going to make sure I can look you up and figure out what it is. So uh, let me know in the comments if you have a shop or if it's a part-time gig for you or whatever, but I would definitely love to, to stop by and look you up because Holly is a nice little small town. There used to be, I want to say it was Holly, uh, it was a truck stop with homemade soup that was really good. I'm pretty sure it was Holly. So, Chris, do you let me know in the comments if I'm mistaken, but pretty sure it was Holly. Uh, and then, yeah, a couple other comments. I just want the slide from the AXG. Absolutely. I love. I would, too. I would, too. Uh, other stuff that I saw that was really cool at SHOT Show. Um, I'm not going to lie. The nicest 2011-1911 double stack gun that I saw at SHOT Show. And, again, just based on feel and, like, fit, finish, all that. Obviously, I didn't get to go take everything to the range. Um, I did not pronounce it wrong. It... Like, oh my gosh, I did. It's Tangen. Tangen. I totally did pronounce it wrong. So I'm, I'm sorry. Tangen. Tangen. Man. Here I am thinking I did good. And you're right. Call me out on it. So I apologize. Tangen arms. Sorry, Chris. But I will look you up. Uh, oh, anyways, the nicest 2011 style gun that I saw at the show was from Voodoo. Uh, everything about that gun was smooth and like the drag on the disconnector and the slide to frame fit and the barrel lockup, like it felt really good. And, uh, they're priced really, really attractive around 31. So I think that's going to be pretty popular. I can't wait to get my hands on one and shoot one a bunch. Uh, cause I want to see if it's going to hold up now. I love Nighthawk. They were right next door to Voodoo and Nighthawk makes some great guns and I ordered a Nighthawk too. So, um, I'm going to check one of them out, you know, like I think there's a lot of good quality stuff out there and I'm probably going to end up ordering a Phoenix Trinity as well because I got to play it with their H Pro and that thing was awesome. Uh, so like there's just so many good quality options. Now, again, those are all like spendy. So I'm hoping to see the market adopt more of the prodigy market era, um, like with EAA, their gun's supposed to be around a grand, which if it runs... That's pretty good. I think it'll do really well. Same thing if the Prodigy gets their uh, issues figured out. Uh, Rock Island, I'm not as excited about it because I have to buy different magazines, but I give them credit, right? So I definitely give them credit for, for bringing all that stuff to the market. Uh, other long guns that I think were cool, Henry has their Woodstocked semi-auto, their PCC, the, uh, the Homesteader. And I wish I could show you guys pictures of all this stuff, but on the live stream, I can't. I'll have follow-up shot show videos where we talk about this a little bit more. Um, but that was pretty neat. Uh, Voodoo had their centerfire action, which is a collab between American Rifle Company, uh, which is basically their new Coupe de Grace action, which is looks like a pretty awesome action. Um, I'm trying to think what else I saw that was cool. Shotguns, uh, the Mossberg 940, which I think is a great platform, now has a Holosun configured package, which is cool. And, oh, geez, Louise, it's V-U-D-O-O. -O. And I have a video on it on our YouTube shorts, um, Facebook, all that stuff. So if you search for it, it's called the 1911 Priest Art. Um, but V-U-D-O-O. -O. And it's not even on their website yet. So, like, the only time you can get decent hands-on is, I think, with my video. But, um, yeah, check it out. Pretty good stuff. 
shotguns. Beretta, A300 Ultra Patrol, an American-made semi-auto, so it's going to come with all the parts and configuration that we want because it's American-made. Now, is it as nice as their 1301? No, it's a little different under the hood, but it takes some influence from the 1301. And like I said, the 940, I think, is a solid platform, and now it's a, um, a Holosun optic cut comes with a Holosun 507K. So those are two really cool semi-auto shotguns that I saw there. I'm trying to think what other handguns I saw that were cool. The Vulcan um, by Lionheart, they have a new nine and it's like a triple action. I did a review on their other Lionheart, the Regulus. Uh, I'm anxious to shoot the Vulcan, but I don't know if it, no, they did modernize it. The complaints that I had with the Regulus, as far as like a light rail on a red dot mount, they did fix with the Vulcan, but it's an expensive gun. And for the money, like, I don't know if I would personally buy that versus like a SIG AXG or something like that, for example. And that's what makes it tough because it is priced a little high, in my opinion. Um, what else did I see that was pretty radtastic? I don't know. I have videos on a whole bunch of stuff. Oh my gosh. The JAE chassis from MDT was there I got to play with. That was pretty awesome. So yeah. Um, now, SIG. I have wondered that same thing too. Uh, and I know they could make it use 320 megs and I don't know if they ever would because I always kind of wondered Especially when they revamped the 226 line as their competition pistol I kind of wondered if they would come out with a wide body or something like that. Now. That's not the company I was talking about It's a different company that's coming out with a double stack Who could it be? Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. We'll see but I think we're caught up on comments double checking emails I think we got everything Guys, I think uh, we are probably ready to call it. We've been going on almost an hour 20, and I think we're ready to give away a prize. So real quick, I have to say thank you again to Midwest Industries for sponsoring this episode of the QA. I love Midwest. Like I said, I do their install videos, so I do have a relationship with them outside of this, but they are nice enough to support the channel and what we're doing. And we're going to be also looking to add other uh, supporters as well in the future, so that'll be really great. Oh boy, I hit the wrong button. If you guys want to see your question on the show, if you're watching this after, the best way is to email us. And that email address is theqa at gunsandtactics.com. But for whatever reason, I can't get the email address to show up. There's mine, but can't get the email address one to work. So the joys, the joys of this technology. I don't know what it is. The joys. See if I can drag it. Nope, can't even drag it. Uh, like I said, Email address, I'm going to try to show it here on the screen in just a second. In case you're watching this after, in case you're listening to this, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but there's the email address, the QA at gunsandtactics.com. You can send your email in and we answer your questions live Monday at the end of the month. The last Monday of the month at 2 p.m., we try to do our QA live and we answer all of your questions. Real quick, before we pick our winner, let me go ahead and throw the rules up there. Uh, trying to share the love with everybody. And again, we're fortunate enough to have Midwest Industries sponsor this episode. We thank them. All right, let me see who our winner is. Ironically, it is view at your own risk. So view at your own risk. This was the comment that was selected in the random generator, which was the SHOT Show coverage one. And I believe you already sent me your info. So uh, view at your own risk. Congratulations, you are the winner of this month's QA prize. So we will be in touch with that, and I appreciate everybody's support. Uh, before we sign off, I again do want to give a huge shout out to Chris Tangen. 
uh, for giving me that super thanks. Every little bit does help. I do appreciate all the support. If you guys want to support the show, the best way is uh, obviously to like, share, subscribe, but also go on over to Patreon, check out Guns and Tactics, and you can join these guys and become a supporter. There are different levels ranging from a dollar all the way on up, but I do want to give a shout out to Kevin B at the top of the list in the Action Jackson level and our four 10 spotters, Chad, Comengus, Cominginus, I don't know how to pronounce that dude, I'm sorry, uh, waguns.org, Dennis B. Again, thank you for your support on Patreon. You guys really do, do a, I really do appreciate it. It means a lot to me. So anybody else that wants to support me, uh, I would genuinely appreciate any little bit that you guys can do to support us, uh, whether it's on Patreon, whether it's a super thanks, whether it's a super chat, uh, all that stuff really, really does make a big difference. Uh, my mouse just died, so let me go ahead and try to connect here. Oh, the joys. See, this is the joys of live. You just can't make this stuff up. So while I'm waiting for my mouse to charge for 10 seconds enough to get enough coverage so I can regain it, we are going to continue to thank those Patreon supporters because uh, there we go. I was able to fix it with a key keyboard. That's awesome. Again, I hope you guys are all doing well. Appreciate you watching. Uh, there'll be a ton more SHOT Show shorts coming out. I think we're a little over halfway through, but basically we shot a bunch of these um, these shorts as well with us. So uh, with you guys, and we'll keep publishing them, you know, throughout the week. So we're wrapping those up, and then we'll have some long format videos. I got to be a little cautious because of the new YouTube rules. Uh, and then, again, if you want to follow us, gunsandtactics.com is our website. They'll have current links to everything. And then we're going to be expanding network to some of the other more friendly stuff or whatever. So just is what it is. All right, guys, I appreciate you watching. Thank you so much for all the support, the likes, the shares. If you like the content, please share. Tell some friends to have them subscribe. Once we hit 100,000 subscribers, which we're almost there, uh, we're going to do a huge giveaway, plus have a behind-the-scenes shop tour and more. So with that, I'm going to sign off. Thank you guys very much for watching. I'm going to smile quick for my thumbnail, so I'm going to sit up straight. And there's my thumbnail. Thanks for watching and have a great day.